Have you ever thought about doing something different with your life, but have been too scared to try? Or does the thought of staying where you are and doing the same thing forever fill you with dread? In this episode, I'm chatting with Dr. Chris Hewitt, GP, coach and educator about what it is to be a man frog sitting in a pan of slowly boiling water. We talk about why we keep going in jobs and workplaces which aren't suiting us and the dangers of making a rash decision or no decision at all. We discuss what it looks like when the heat has been turned up and is getting near boiling point and the simple things that we can do right now to help us turn the heat down and think about our work in a new light. So listen, if you want to know why it takes us so long to realise how hot the pan really is. If you want to get some practical steps you can take to turn the heat down. And listen, if you want to explore some of the joys and perils of jumping out of the pan and from one lily pad to another. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, life hacks for doctors and other busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP turned coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience. And I'm interested in how we can wake up and be excited about going to work no matter what. I've had 20 years of experience working in the NHS and I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed, worried about making a mistake and one crisis away from not coping. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout. We have been described as frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water, working harder and longer, and the heat has been turned up so slowly that we hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm and have got used to the low-grade feelings of stress and exhaustion. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two options, stay in the pan and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog. And that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more options than you think you do. It is possible to be master of your destiny and to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances. And if you're happier at work, you will simply do a better job. In this podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control and thrive, not just survive, in our work and our lives and love what we do again. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. It's really brilliant to have with me on the episode today, Dr. Chris Hewitt. Now, Chris is a professional coach. He's also a GP and he's a writer. He's one of the associate deans at Health Education England and uh, also works as a tribunal doctor. So, Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for having me on. It's, it's, a, it's a real honour to be here. 
So uh, the reason I wanted to get Chris on the podcast is because, well, he's got vast experience of coaching people. He's got this brilliant concept about man frogs, which as soon as I heard that, of course, my ears perked up because obviously frogs are very dear to my heart. Although I slightly regret starting a podcast called You Are Not a Frog because people are starting to send me all sorts of frog stuff. So Chris, beware, if, if you ever name your book after frogs or anything like that, everything you do from then on will have to be green and you'll get lots of sort of cuddly frogs and books about frogs. I, I've, I've had lots of photos sent to me by my kids already once they, once they heard about my project. So yes, it's, uh, I'm already a victim. <laughs> so I know that this is a work in progress. Just tell me a little bit about it and what, what you're sort of hoping to achieve. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's I'm calling it Project Man Frog. So, so I do feel a little bit of an imposter coming on to a podcast called You Are Not That Frog. But, but, but a man frog is different, and I'll try and explain. Basically, I think we we normalise to toxic environments, toxic expectations, and toxic workload. And 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 many of us in the public sector, in education, and caring professions are are what we call people pleasers and rescuers, which means we're often very bad at looking after ourselves and saying no. And, and I really like the images, the image of frogs in a pan of, of water that's slowly being brought to the boil. It's a really powerful image. It's often used in management circles and I think was the, the, the background to, to, to how you chose the name for this podcast. The, the, the frogs in this pan are swimming around not really noticing that the temperature is increasing or they're unable to change their situation and, and are stuck in a pan. And, and my project, Project Manfrog, is, is aligned, as you say, to my work as a professional coach. And what, what I've noticed now at the ripe old age of 54 uh, is that I, I reflect on, on how many times other people, mentors, coaches and my family have, have helped me to escape that pot of boiling water. And, and I want to find out how how others have, have done that as well, and, and, and to share powerful stories to show how, how the right interventions and approaches at the right time can help all of us get unstuck when we feel we're, we're a bit of a frog. Yeah, I think that is such a great concept. Well, obviously I do because I used it for the, the podcast, but I'm really interested, first of all, in how we get to this stage. Do you think that the pan has been heating up particularly fast at the moment, particularly for for people in healthcare. Or do you think it, it's just always been like that, that people get busier and busier and more stressed and things get worse and worse without without people noticing? Or do you think it's something for our particular time? I think I think burnout and and boredom and people getting stuck in a rut ha, has probably been there forever. I think before the pandemic, levels of stress and distress were really high already. People were working probably at way higher intensity than than was healthy, and, and uh, for a lot of people in in and and you know the, uh, in the health profession, we've seen that in people working in A and E and in intensive care and and in GP and, and and the pandemic, I think, has highlighted and and exacerbated something that was already there. And I think I think people are starting to say, right, people are talking about normal life again and 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 new normal and all these other expressions and 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 new normal for GPs is is for a lot of them, you know, we don't a lot of them say, I don't want to go back to the normal I had before. So I think I think, you know, things like your podcast are absolutely excellent because they're they're giving people tools and they're asking people to to explore ways that they can can perhaps manage what's within their control but but certainly I, I i i think you know things have always been how they are but i think i think we're having a particularly challenging time at the moment 
Yes, I think possibly the the heat was always getting turned up higher and higher, but suddenly it's just burst out. You know, the, the heat has been sort of turned up. I've got this lovely induction hob now, actually, and you can set a setting called Boost, which pretty much boils a pan of cold water in about five minutes. It's really, really fast. And I guess I guess the analogy would be that we're in, in healthcare, certainly we were going along, the heat was getting quite high and then the pandemic happened. And maybe initially for some of us, the heat went down a bit, for some of us, the heat went massively up. But certainly recently, boy, has it been put on boost. Um, I know lots of my GP colleagues are getting so many phone calls and there's so much patient demand and all that stuff that was sort of pent up when people weren't weren't seeking help and they they now are see, seeking help and there's a lot of health anxiety around so that heat has really really been turned up so I think a lot of the a lot of our frog colleagues are now starting to think crumbs I just need to jump out of the pan because I I really can't cope with this and and so yes it's 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 very much we don't want to go back to the normal as it was before but actually this new normal is is even worse than it was before so so what do we do about that? I think understanding where we're all at is, is, is part of, 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 of finding solutions. And, and evidence is that whenever there's a trauma, there's a personal and a collective response. And, and, and the, the sudden impact of, of the pandemic within, within the population as a whole, and, and certainly within healthcare, uh, creates a, a heroic phase, a phase of busyness and, and exciting doing and, and getting on with things and, and often after that heroic phase there's a bit of a drop and 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 often either anticlimax or, or disillusionment and, and and that 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 can be a bit of a trough in morale and 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 perspective but and mood but but then most of us start to rebuild and and, and feel rest restored and, and and often we actually get to what's called a wiser living phase and hopefully the population our patients and carers and, and ourselves in the workforce get to that wiser living phase and that can take between two and five years after something as traumatic as the pandemic i think we're going to we're going to find a lot of people stuck and and the uptick and rebuilding and restoration is not happening and that's going to be give a lot of mental health needs for patients and carers but also for ourselves as a, as as professionals yeah that's really interesting. So it, it sort of takes a couple of years after the the, the the trauma that's happened to get into that rebuild and restore phase. That, that's probably quite useful to know, actually, for people that there's going to be a couple of years where, where people are in this slightly difficult transition intermittent phase where things are, are really difficult and the, the pan seems to be getting a lot hotter. I'm interested, Chris, you know, these these frogs that are sitting in boiling water or, or water that's really heating up, are there any other options for them apart from getting out or burning out? Because I guess the whole premise of you are not a frog is that there are other options because we're not frogs, we're we're human beings. But human beings can't stand hot water either. So I guess we're a bit like a frog in that in that way. But but maybe as a human, we have other options like to turn the heat down or to maybe jump get into a, a different pan with a sort of different heat setting. I, I don't I don't know. Do you think it is just binary that you've got to get out because there's nothing you can do about it? Or yeah. I, I, I don't think it's binary. I I think and, and I think there are ways of, you know, as a frog jumping out and turning the induction hob down a bit probably, you know, and then jumping back in if it's quite nice and warm and just the right temperature, get back in that pan. But but I I, I think I, it was really interesting your podcast on on the drama triangle and how to stop rescuing people. And, and I thought Annie, Annie Hanacom had some real wisdom 
-hmm. you know, acknowledge what you're going through and give yourself time um, and don't beat yourself up. You know, two to five years recovery after a big impact like the pandemic is is quite normal. And, and, and PTSD is going to be there in a workforce that's had moral injury, but there's going to be much higher numbers who, who get very positive post-traumatic growth with, with the wisdom that that gives you. And, and that wisdom can probably bring on a degree of self-awareness and, and assertiveness that says, you know, I'm not going to have work in, in a pan that's 70 degrees. I want one that's at 50 degrees. So I'm going to go out and, and, and change that induction hob setting and, and, and be quite happy because I, I, I love being in this pan when it was 50 degrees. So, so, and, and that can be done in, in your career and in your work and in your work-life balance. It, it's just about making yourself have the time. And as Ed Pooley said in the Managing Time uh, podcast, you know, think of the time before managing a task and, and making your life workable and your, your home life and your work life and your fun life workable is about actually thinking of those as tasks and chunking those tasks down and getting on with it. Mm-hmm. In a minute, I'm going to ask you for some really practical ways that we can, that we can do that. But before we go there, I'm just quite interested in this, this sort of post-traumatic growth. And I, I wondered, Chris, what, what experience you've had yourself with, with post-traumatic growth? You know, what's, what's been your story? What's the sort of way that you got into all of this? Yeah, I, I, I burned out as a GP in ooh, 11 years ago, and I didn't know I'd burned out. I didn't know what burnout was. And it's only when I was in a new job, I was a, I, I was a full-time medical legal advisor for the, one of the medical defence organisations, and, and someone said to me, you know, Chris, I think it sounds like you burnt out when you were a GP. And, and I thought, oh, I didn't think that was for me. I, did, I, I, was just, I just made a decision to switch from being a GP to, to being a medical legal advisor. But then it, it got me interested. What happened along the way? And, 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 you know, what made me jump out of the pan and do something, you know, not completely different, but very different, not seeing patients, helping colleagues with, with complaints and, and, and ethical issues and so forth as a medical legal advisor. And it's it, it, it's hard to know because often when you're going through something, a bit like the frogs in the pan, you don't realise you don't realise that you're 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 struggling or or that other situations are becoming toxic. The environment's becoming toxic, or your response to that environment isn't as positive or constructive as it could be. So I I, I was always astonished when I was a GP and loving the job and doing appraisals on people and so forth and discovered other people weren't always loving it or some people really didn't like it at all. So I, I thought, well, I, I don't understand this. I love this job, you know. And then and then it, it, burnout for me came very suddenly because I stopped loving it very suddenly and I, I couldn't understand that. So instead of exploring that and taking the time to explore that, I just found something else to do. Saw an advert in the BMJ and, and jumped. And did the man frog thing of jumping without looking. <laughs> um, so it, so it, I, I got somewhere else, but it, it, it wasn't with hindsight. It probably wasn't the leap I should have taken. And, and you know, we can all suffer from that, the grass is greener syndrome. But, but in another way, it was the right jump for me. It was, it was a leap onto a, another lily pad that wasn't going to be a permanent one, but it was a way to step sideways or backwards a bit and then regroup and then go in, in, in different directions, which is what I, I subsequently did. So, you know, everyone will have similar stories of what they've done and how they've uh, made their career more interesting or varied. And, and um, part of Manfrog's project is that I, I, I've been interviewing people I know or I've coached and said, you know, how did you navigate your career with hindsight and, and what would have helped you along the way? What, 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 what 
what interventions or, or self-awareness would have helped you. So, so I think I think you know the wisdom of our elders is where we often find solutions to 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 our, our current paths. So that's that's partly what what the project's about. Yeah, totally. And I'm interested if you don't mind me asking, was there a, an event that happened that caused you to burn out, or did the heat just suddenly get turned up really really high? No, I don't think it happened suddenly. I think the heat gradually built up. I worked in a, a group practice. We got on well. We'd had some good projects. I'd, I'd, I'd led on a project to move into new premises, which was great fun. I liked teaching the medical students and, 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 and was a trainer and appraiser. So I had things alongside the GP work, which kept me going and interested. We, we, we decided to do telephone consulting and really, really went for it. But it, it became a bit of a monster. Yeah, it was just, it, it wasn't safe. It wasn't anything, really. And I think Something about losing continuity for me was was something that was a factor in there. I liked seeing people in my room and I liked going out to their house and I liked knowing their family. And, and, and there were other things going on in my life and in my personal life. There was a mixture of th- things. So it wasn't one, one particular thing. But it, somewhere along the way, I started to have that Sunday night feeling of not wanting to go into work, which I'd never had before. It, sounded, it sounds like you sort of recognised it pretty early on and thought, I'm not enjoying this. I'm going to change. My experience with a lot of uh, doctors and other people working in healthcare and, and other really high stress professions as well is that they they don't realise how much they are struggling until they have a sort of catastrophic event or they have they suddenly go off sick or they get really un, unwell with, with something unrelated and then they look back and think, crumbs, I really wasn't enjoying that. That was That was really difficult. Do you think that people recognise it when the heat has increased, do they recognise it soon enough? No, I, I, I think most people keep going and keep going. And, and, and you know, the, the, you know, when we're not man frogs, we're often hamsters on, 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 a, on a hamster wheel or, or rabbits in headlights or whatever else it is. We, I think we, we generally, human nature is to keep going and keep going. And I, I think we're also not really... You know, I certainly wasn't aware of a lot of things that existed. I didn't know about burnout. I didn't know about PTSD, moral injury, incipient loneliness. There's, there's a whole science evolving of things, you know, 15 years ago I hadn't really got a clue about. I, I did master's level study on burnout, and I was still no wiser, if I'm honest. But what I did was, was speak to a lot of people who had burnt out uh, or said, you know, they felt they'd burnt out. And the commonest thing in most was that they fell off a cliff. They weren't expecting that massive drop. It happened really, really suddenly. And, and it's only with hindsight that they thought, yes, I was walking towards a cliff, but I just hadn't realised. Yeah, I think the problem is that we have been conditioned just to think it's normal. I was talking to a, a professional who the other day who was been really, really struggling in his job. And he's had a big geographical change. He's taken on a new job with a new team, having to manage lots of other things during lockdown. and then was kept saying to me, but I feel really weak. I feel like weak. Why can't I cope with this? And I'm thinking, I'm looking at everything that had happened and thinking, you're not weak. This is a normal response to everything that's happened in this workplace in which you're in. And your body is responding in the way it should respond, i.e. increasing your cortisol levels, putting you in your sympathetic zone because it's responding to stress and threat. But then you think you're weak for not being able to cope with it. And then you think, well, it's normal. Everyone else is coping with it. Therefore, I should just keep going. 
have you seen that sort of thing just contributing to the the frog staying in the pan and putting up with the the heat I think so. I think I think the environment is key there. I think from the minute you apply for medical school and then get through medical school, the norm is you don't moan, you get on with it. Everybody mucks in. If, if you have a, a busy on-call shift, you know, you, you stay on late, you get on with it and, and, and everybody survives. And, and I think in the pandemic that gets that gets heightened. It's it's, you know, go in there and hold your breath you know even if you don't trust the ppe you know someone's got to go in there there's a patient needs you and and that kind of culture and climate of of you know it, we, we allow ourselves and we become victims and and perpetrators of bullying in that kind of culture that's the truth and and, and it's very popular i think for 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 the older generation to say oh things were much worse and you know why are people whining and moaning about bullying i th- i think things are as hard as they've ever been nowadays and and i don't think they were particularly healthy before in times past so so uh, i i think we are in a particularly challenging culture and and i think in historically and and, and in many cultures you know men men are not good at talking about their feelings and 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 men are probably often worse you know sometimes as bullies or bullying themselves but but in health that that's equalized much more because the culture is no matter what gender you are what what what's going on in your life you know you're you're working now so get on with it there's more people in the waiting room more you know with the you know there's enough challenges for us to all do we can't be doing with people being weak Mm. Just suck it up because there's so much work to do and there's lots of people worse off than you and your patients are really sick and they need you. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes people working over heroically are just going to fall off a higher cliff. The elastic will snap at some point. So there's a two by two diagram I often use when I talk about workplace and resilience because I think a lot of people are slightly allergic to the, the word resilience and it can be quite irritating when people are saying, right, Workplace is dreadful. So what we need to do is give some resilience training to our people. The problem is you can make people as resilient as you want, give them all the skills that they need. And they certainly do need skills of being able to stay in your zone of power and control what you can control, to be able to manage your time properly, to be able to sort of have those difficult conversations. But actually, if you put someone who's really resilient in a bad workplace for long enough and you you give them far too much to do far too many demands, you don't support them properly, then they will, I think, eventually burn out. And I think that's a normal reaction to what's going on. So I, I, convers- I, yeah, absolutely. Oh. It's a healthy reaction. I think I think we sometimes make people into heroes who are possibly being, you know, a bit too much is expected of them and, and, and it's often not not healthy what's expected of them. Yeah, I think converse, the converse is true that if you put people who aren't resilient in a in a really good workplace, they will also have problems because I think just to survive in today's sort of VUCA world, which is sort of volatile and uncertain and um, complex and ambiguous, you do need to have these skills to really work well. So I think I think both are needed, but you really can't let the workplace off the hook. So I think in that respect, jumping out of the pan when it's too hot for some people is a really really good option, <laughs> and certainly just yeah. changing your workplace is really important. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a healthy balance between getting getting a good enough workplace and getting a good enough level of of of, of resilience. I think you know there's a Goldilocks point in both of those things, and, and I think sometimes just because we can drive faster doesn't mean we should. If we're driving down a country lane at 80 miles an hour because we've been trained to do that as a rally driver, 
well, it doesn't mean we should do that on open public roads, you know, because there could be a horse down there or a cyclist who, who we're going to run over just because we, we feel we can do it without driving off the road doesn't mean it's safe. And I think sometimes our workplaces can, can we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. You know, they make, you know, you can be asked to work at, at great intensity and then you can be kind of thrown out um, and hung out to dry if you make a mistake working in that intensity. So having the insight to say this isn't right and this isn't safe it's something we should be encouraging. And that part of being resilient is also about being self-aware and being assertive and knowing when to say, no, none of us should be doing this. And of course, you have sort of, I guess, different amounts of control over your workplace, depending on if you're the boss or if you're not. But I guess even if you're the boss, there are lots of external circumstances that might, might make it very difficult to have a lot of the control that you need. But Chris, what I'm interested in is how do you know what to do? How do you know whether the option you should take is to jump out the pan and go do something different or get a different workplace or whether to, well, I guess you can choose to stay in and burn out. I think lots of people say they would never choose to stay in and burn out, but I guess a lot of people are just unconsciously working towards burnout. And if nothing changes, they're going to do that. But then there is that other option because we are human beings, not frogs. And that is to find ways to turn down the heat ourselves. How do you know which one of those to do? I get it. You're pushed for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. I think the first thing you've got to do is it's acknowledging that, that things might not be right or or, th- or that you might be stuck or or having issues or, or challenges and i think that that making the time is really difficult when people see see that you know just doing more of the same and working harder and harder is what they they are used to do going off sick is not something you do or, or having a holiday and spending the holiday doing something that's actually for you and for, for thinking space so i i think you know it, it's almost i think your career and, and your work and home life and, and fun life needs to be planned and 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 nurtured and and whether it's planning a holiday or preparing for appraisal or compiling your receipts for a tax return I think you have to do similar with with your working life and say, right, this is really important. I need to make some time. I need to get the calendar out and 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 get some time, and 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 maybe get some help to just think through what's going on because I'm I'm feeling a bit blinded by the headlights at the moment. Yeah, I was just thinking as you said that time is something that most people don't have right now. It, absolutely and and i think you know and, and that's why people often wait till they break or they wait you know they wait till there's a natural break so they you know on holiday they think crikey what, what's been going on why am i so knackered why am i not enjoying this holiday or they go off sick and they break or, or they get ill and 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 i think it, it it's much better in you know in an ideal world if we were talking to our patients or carers we'd be saying right you need a break it's, this isn't sustainable and and we don't we don't necessarily we, we treat ourselves as more superhuman than our patients and carers, I think. Mm, oh, totally. 
And I've, I've certainly seen and experienced it myself and seen it in my own family of, of people living from one holiday to another holiday. You know, just it'll be fine once I'm on holiday and things, I guess the heat gets to that sort of critical stage and you think just a couple more weeks left, oh, few holiday. Heat gets turned down a bit, but not down that much because, you know, it's difficult to relax when you're really stressed. And then, oh, back at work, heat goes up and up and up and up. And you were just about to get help, but because you had that holiday, the heat's gone down a little bit. And so you think, oh, no, actually, I'm I'm all right. This this is fine, really. But then so you sort of go on at that sort of point that's just below boiling point, And it's just miserable. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, those of us who've done appraisals on colleagues can recognize it in other people and and often will give, you know, very helpful suggestions, but, but we don't, we don't do that to ourselves. We don't take ourselves to task and say, right, I must make some time. I have to, this is going to, this is going to go belly up. And, And I think, you know, when you make the time, it's then having some ways to structure what you do with that time and, and 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 you know part of it is coming out of you know if, if if there's you know severe fatigue or 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 stress or depression then that needs to be fixed before you get into coping mode i mean most most people are, are functioning in, in coping rather than competent mode so it takes a while to get just to recuperate before you can even think straight i think and and the thinking thinking straight needs to be well structured you know and, and a stock take and a plan and options is something we're not you know picking medical school was that last big career decision you know it, for, for a lot of us so, so i think having some help about you know what to do next after you've had some recovery time is is, is something i really strongly advocate yeah totally totally and this is the power of coaching mentoring and actually there is a lot of free coaching available i think in the nhs certainly at the moment and lots of areas have got coaching and mentoring schemes set up but i i would say if you, if you can't access that one the, the the best money i ever spent was was employing a coach which just sort of transformed my life and was really really helpful and chris yeah. i'm just interested and, 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 and i think you you know friends mentor figures and coaches yeah. you know when i reflect on my life you know that the, there have been people who've, who've really really helped and and most of those people have been people who've who've just listened rather than mm. said oh you want to do that or i did this you want to do that and 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 just having the space to hear yourself speak out loud and and say things often is just a chance to to then think you know i'm hearing myself say this and uh, I, I i i need to do something about it that's a really good point. Actually, when when I was sort of, you know, really feeling like I was burning out and and, and really stressed about what to do, it was friends who pointed out there was an issue, <laughs> interestingly. And then I, you know, spoke to some mentors and then I got some coaching. So that was the sort of sequence of things. But I think your point about just being listened to is really important. So, I, I you know, I think if anyone is is feeling like this and actually getting together with a trusted colleague and saying, can I just talk at you for half an hour and just getting it all out there is, would be really helpful. There's a fantastic book by Nancy Klein called Time to Think. I talk about that quite a lot in the, in the training that I do. And she talks about the fact that the quality of my listening determines the quality of your thinking. And then she suggests that people set up thinking partnerships. And Annie, who we did the podcast about being a rescuer, Annie's in a, a thinking partnership with with someone. And she said, it's just brilliant. So they they meet every week or something like that for half half an hour. One of them talks for half an hour and then the other one talks for half an hour. And it's just really transformative. Now that is something you could do immediately with a colleague, right? Absolutely. And I think, I think you, 
we generally intuitively know who to pick for that. I mean, Nancy Klein talks about the, the, the 10 behaviours and components that helps someone to clearly reflect on their thoughts, you know, attention, equality, ease, appreciation, encouragement, feelings, information, diversity, incisive questions, and, and the place where you do it. And, 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 you know, you don't have to read time to think to know the kind of person who's actually going to listen to you and give you that protected time to just offload without judging you or, or starting to problem solve. As GPs used to working in time-limited appointments, uh, reflex often is to say, right, okay, I've, I think I've got a diagnosis. Here's your solution. Here's your sick note or your prescription. And, 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 and when we're listening with a buddy who's really listening to us, that, that half an hour of just, just rant, just let it all out. I'm not going to interrupt. You know, it's really powerful, really, really powerful. So that's a really good quick win that you could do with someone if you're feeling that the heat is getting a bit too high. What other options do people have when they're in that 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 zone? I think different people find different things helpful. I think I think the first thing to do is go to places that give you or people that give you solace. You know, that can be going for a walk and that can be doing some painting, writing a poem or whatever. You know, I think I think just give yourself space to to just be away. You know, holidays are great, but 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 holidays can also be quite a challenge. You know, if you're looking after others and organizing things or the holidays about visiting sites or what have you. That, that, then they can actually be quite hard work, and of course we're all we're all struggling post pandemic or during the pandemic because we're we're all feeling deprived of deck chairs and and our usual holiday recharges. So I, I think you know look for the simple things in every day and 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 start to you know make a, make an effort, get that calendar down, and say right, I'm going to find you know a day or half a day to just have nothing on the agenda. You know, I might just go for a long walk. I might go for a long bike ride or a swim, but but I'm just going to not have anything planned. I'll just see what happens. And at that time, you just got to make sure nothing takes it because that's the start of taking stock. And 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 in, in, in you know, I, I often in coaching, I'll say to someone, write a list of the twenty things you would enjoy doing. You know, if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? Or if you had a week off where you had no one else to be responsible for, what would you do? And and then. You know, write a list of twenty, and then perhaps pick a pick pick a top three. What would you do? You know, how much would it cost to do this thing? What needs doing to make that thing happen? How realistic is it? And 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 how soon can it be done? Because you know, I, for me, a big part of of keeping going as a GP was having a sabbatical, and it was across you know summer holidays, so the kids were able to come. But 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 eight weeks in New Zealand for me was achievable, and it really gave me recharge my batteries, and way more than the the kind of two-week holiday every few months that, that that was was not doing the trick as a recharge but that whatever it is for someone i think you've got to you've got to find some joy again and and, and you need to make time for that and, and 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 that's a big part of being in a good place to then work with a coach i think i think the the challenge with the time you have with a coach is you need to have got past coping phase and and and, and be working towards competency phase so it's about mm-hmm. it's about looking after yourself a bit and, and, and realizing how flat your batteries are, I think. Yeah, I think that's so true. I remember spending the first coaching session basically sobbing my way through, actually. And I, I experienced that with a lot of my clients now that that there is, they sort of just have to get over that that trauma that they're feeling before they can really get their head into the right way. Of, yeah. And, and uh, once I was, uh, you know, I've been at many interviews and I've been sacked many times and, uh, you know, I'm quite, you know, there's it, it, a lot of, <laughs> but a very colourful working career but what one interview i did quite successfully in 
I was asked, what is leadership? One of those questions. And I said, well, I, I think leadership is management of loss. Now, I, I was just spurting something out I'd read, I think, without really thinking what I was saying. But but actually, you know, years later, I think, actually, you know, you know, we lead our own lives. And if we're self-aware, we do plan, you know, to, to make things happen in our life. We create our future ourselves or, or we let it happen to us. And, and you know, we have losses. We always have losses. Our, our jobs, we have a relationship with our jobs. And if that if that job changes, then we start to, that relationship starts to dwindle and we have to nurture it and say, right, well, what, what do I need to improve to make this job, you know, as good as it was for me before? And, and, and so you, 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 there, is, there is a need to, to, to nurture our work and, 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 our, and our lives and, and, and our time with our families and so forth. And, and, and time is, although it's, it's, we always think we haven't got enough time, it's, it's, you know, if we think about what we would say to, to a best friend or a colleague or a patient, we'd say, no, there's, you, you know, you need this. You need, you need one or two sessions with a coach just to have a catharsis and, and cry your way through the first few. I think, you know, I've been there. I've, I've had an awful lot of value from coaches and mentors, but, but, but part of it is the anger, the rant, the catharsis before you can then say, right, okay, got that off my chest. I, uh, I can start to think straight now and, and, and start to create and visualize the future I want to have. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I heard recently that is a really nice next step, actually, is if you've got all these questions and you, you've sort of got over that, that catharsis and you've got these questions about, well, what can I do? Can I stop? Is there any way I can change? Or what would I do about this? Is to write down all those questions you've got on a piece of paper and then give you a, yourself an hour to, st- to stop and actually start to answer some of those questions. Fantastic. Like, yeah. I've done that once or twice. It's been really helpful. Like all these queries I've got in my head, once it's been on paper, I can then sit and think, actually, is that true? What can I do about that? And it's amazing because most people, and this is, I guess, this is the coaching ethos, isn't it? That you know what to do. Most people know what to do. You just need a little bit of help in in in, in thinking that and, and getting it out, really. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I I think I used to frustrate quite a lot of my GP trainees when I was a trainer by by you know being that annoying trainer who'd say, well, you know, what what do you think? <laughs> needs to happen here or what what do you think are the options now obviously if someone's really busy and really behind that's the last thing they want to hear they just want to hear you know i'll oh, just prescribe this come back later and we'll talk about it but 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 i think i think you know coaches good coaches help clients find the way that's right for them in their context in their circumstances in with, with their situation i i personally find writing incredibly therapeutic and I, I, just like your letter of your, your questions and, and time to then answer them there was a coach who wrote a book i can't remember now, tom preston i think his name he, he he suggested people write a nirvana letter and it is something i do with clients sometimes and and you write a letter as if you're in your twilight years and you're you're thinking back you know you you know you, you may be in your 70s or 80s if you've if you've had a long and healthy life and 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 you 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 write a letter to a close friend detailing what you did you know in in the time between now in the future and then the past you know so so you write write to a friend and and say you know my dreams have come to fruition and this is what i did you know and and you know if if, if you imagine yourself having had a successful and filling life you, you can then start to think right well let's let's just let's just join the dots and let's let's play a game of imagining what steps went along the way and what happened and what dreams were fulfilled you know and, and ultimately the best way to predict the future is to create it and the best way to create the future is to visualize it and that's that's the purpose of that kind of letter 
Yeah, totally. That That's such a powerful thing to do because I think that most of us, if we write that letter, it's not going to include, I carried on working like a nutter and eventually <laughs> out. had to take a year off work and then... <laughs> And then was worried about doing anything else. So yeah, that, that that does bring that home. Chris, I'm just aware of the time. We don't have huge amounts of time left, but have you got any practical suggestions? You know, what can people do in terms of if they do want to pop out the pan and that's the right thing for them to do? What sort of options have they got? And what options have they got for actually staying in the pan and, and turning down the heat a little bit? Right. I, I think that there's op- there are always options and I think people feel trapped and, and, mm. and feel that, that security and their commitments means they have to keep doing what they're doing, keep earning what they're earning and, 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 and they feel committed to not just family and, and paying the mortgage, but they also feel committed to colleagues and their workplace. However, there always are alternatives and, and, and the alternatives are either to improve things where you're currently working and, and what you're doing, do less of it, do it differently, do it at different speed, or to or to say, some people say, no, I really do want to do something different now, or I need to have some time off and then do something different. And I'm just frightened about how you go about that? I've not, you know, I'm not. I don't know what qualifications I'd need. I don't know how about to afford to live on the money there. It's not like swapping a car. You don't get a chance to have a test drive and then say, actually, I quite like the car I've already got. I'll keep that. Thank you. People don't tend to do that and say, right, I'll do a do a week doing another job and see whether I like it or not. So, so I think I think the first thing to do is stop. That's my top tip. Stop and just say, do do I can I do something? Can I just find some time? You know, get get the calendar down or get get it up on your phone or on your laptop and just say, right. I can cancel that or I can make that time. And that is just going to be taking stock, taking stock, stock time, even if it's only half a day. And then, then, I'd, then I'd do perhaps a couple of projects, do, do, do the writing a list of questions or the 20 things you'd like to do, write a Nirvana letter, just do some writing, see where you go, just see what comes out in a run. And then, and then the third, third thing I'd do after that is I'd find somebody, find somebody and say, look, you know, I, I, I just want to, reconsider my options plan my actions and and i'd like you to if you will listen to me and and then and then hold me to account and say have you done it <laughs> how are you getting on is there anything i can do to help you said you were going to do this is it working you know and that could be a good friend it could be a mentor it could be a professional coach it could be all three of those i i've i've always found those 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 three things really really helpful things to do there's lots of you can google professional coach that there's an organization called trustedcoachdirectory.com that that matches people to coaches they are an option you know we we, we forget and having bit having benefited so much from coaching myself you know training to be a coach was a natural thing for me to do and and i i i think it's 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 alchemy what happens when you listen to people and it's just so powerful and and it it creates such fantastic outcomes that i hence hence i i said yes and came on your shows (laughs) well i'm very grateful for that when it's interesting you mentioned this whole test drive thing saying you know it's not like buying a new car we can't test drive it i think sometimes you can though can't you because that's the great thing about things like general practice or some other professions particularly in healthcare is that you can actually take on different roles in places and think well i'll just try this role see if i like it for example i'll I'll try a bit of education a bit of teaching see if i like it i'll try working for the the ccg or perhaps the training hub or i'll do maybe a session doing that and then you can just see how that suits you. I think I sort of call that diversifying in your career. And that can be as good as as jumping out of the pan sometimes, can't it? Yeah. And sometimes just having a break and a change is enough to say, right, I can keep going now. 
certainly after my sabbatical in New Zealand, I, I, I came back and thought, yeah, this is a great job again. You know, I'm missing it. <laughs> or, or doing something different for a while can make you think, yeah, that was good. I enjoyed doing that stint for the primary care network or whatever it is. But now I'm glad I'm back doing, doing, doing you know, doing a, a, a normal session on a Wednesday afternoon or whatever it is. So, so I, think, I think you're right. You know, just thinking about that Nirvana letter, I remember a, a colleague telling me that, that he'd read some research on people in, in elderly care facilities in, in the United States. And, and they, they basically were looking at people who'd got to a ripe old age and, and de- thought they'd had a very contented life. So they were happy elderly people. And, and, and the, the researchers compiled a list of things these people wished they'd done more of in their life. And, and there was a top three. People wished they'd done more public service wish they'd taken more risks, and they wish they'd had more baths. So there you go. (laughs) Oh, if only all our problems were solved just by having more baths, that would be good. It would, wouldn't it? But it would be sad to get to an old age and think we wish we'd had more. (laughs) Yeah, I think that whole thing about taking risks as well, all this is quite scary. Like you said, we go through medical school, we go through university, we know exactly where our lives are headed, and then we get there, and then suddenly this whole jumping out the pan thing, it's like, well, there's a few different places I could do but what what if it doesn't work what if I fail and I guess the my response would be that to that would be yeah you will probably fail at some things but that means you'll learn and if you do something you don't like it that means you'll learn that you don't like it and how are you going to learn that unless you do it unless you try so and and, and I think that's why I like the idea of man frog because sometimes you land on a lily pad that you realize isn't a lily pad it's you know it's it's an alligator or it's it's a sinking lily pad and then you hop very quickly into the water or somewhere else. So, so you, 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 there isn't a, a direct route necessarily to, you know, fulfillment in one way of working and living to another. You know, we, we learn from the things we get wrong, don't we? And, 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 and then we move on and, uh, and, and we get stronger from it usually. So, so it's, it, it's, it's all part of life's rich tapestry, I suppose. It is. And I, I guess there is that, that risk as well that if, if, if you are the main breadwinner bread in Europe, relying on a particular amount of income and et cetera, et cetera. That does feel quite risky, but I guess that's when a, a trusted mentor and a colleague can really help sense check your decisions. And, and you can do it in a very controlled way that, that reduces some of that risk, can't you? Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think dipping the toe in, in, into different waters is probably more sensible than, than, than big leaps. You know, I've been there and done it and it's very uncomfortable when you, you, you're panicking about, you know, is there, is there going to be enough income coming in? You know, and, and I think, you know, th- that, that's the benefit of time and thinking space because you, you're less likely to, to need to react in, in, in crisis, you know, and, and, you know, from my research, talking to other people for the book and, and from my own experience, talking to other people earlier, finding a coach earlier, they're, they're things I wish I'd done uh, sooner. Yeah, because I think we, we think about the risk of making a change, but we don't often think about the risk of not making a change. And I think that risk is actually bigger sometimes because the risk of uh, to your health and if you burn out, you'll be off work and then that will reduce your income and blah, blah, blah. And I think we don't think about what is going to happen to me if I carry on like this for the next 10 years. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it, a bigger pension is no good if you're not around to take it. Yeah, completely. Well, on that note, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, no, it, 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 it's, it, I think it's important. I mean, it's a bleak way of thinking about it. Yeah. But, but, you know, it, 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 it's the, 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 the difference. It's so empowering to have a career where you feel you've got some control. 
and 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 you often go through scary wilderness to get to that point but when you get to a point where you think you know i can say no to work i can decide you know to have monday off i can do whatever you know the 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 ability to to build a career and a, a and a work and home life that you want and and to get out of the boiling water is 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 definitely there and and i think yeah, i think you and your podcast is a good example of that and shows the way but but there's lots of us you know striving to to have that 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 fulfilled fulfilled work and, and and home life and and it is achievable so so I, I would i would urge people who are in a bad place not to not to despair because because you can get through it and and you can build a good future totally totally and the good news is that all the happiness research shows that if you're happier at work you'll actually be better at what you're doing you'll be more productive which means better outcomes for you uh, your colleagues and your and your patients or your clients so it's win-win for everyone fantastic so chris thank you so much for being on today if people wanted to contact you how could they find you uh, linkedin is probably the best place to get me I, I, and my phone number email address is all on linkedin it's dr chris hewitt coach and and you know there's about 100 link chris hewitt's on linkedin but there's not there's only one that's dr chris hewitt coach brilliant well we'll put the link in the show notes so people can find you so thank you so much that's been so interesting and, and good luck with an anfrog project project Thank you, Rachel. It's been a real privilege to be on here and keep doing what you're doing. It's brilliant. Thank you very much. Speak again soon. Bye. Bye now. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.